Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 335 with Robin Thorpe. So Robin was at Manchester United for 10 years and is now consulting across many different sports in the US. And it's in this episode that we dive into recovery and Robin's thoughts on recovery strategies. But just before we do dive into the clip with Robin, just wanna say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So when it comes to athlete management systems, Rock Daisy offered the only free athlete management system on the market, AMS Lite. So if you're looking for a simple AMS tool for free, jump over to rockdaisy.com. Your opinions on recovery now versus when you were at United and anything changed and how things have been implemented back then versus new environment with NBA and all the constraints that come with that, Major League Baseball, the, the obvious constraints that come with like the horrendous travel schedules and plane schedules. Where's your head at when it comes to recovery in these in these types of environments? How long have you got? <laughs> uh, oh, what a massive subject you've questioned me on here. So let's see if I can summarize this. Um, so back, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. I think the way we the way we've always looked at recovery from a research perspective, so the, the literature that we know, it's always been about let's test one intervention, cold water, massage, whatever it may be, and let's see, let's use some generic measures of recovery, notably probably like performance tests, CMJ, uh, a sprint, some other maximal sort of contraction-based assessments, strength-related, and see what see how they they change or how they differ to either different modalities or nothing at all. And so when we like so back this is this is back ten years ago. We were, I was thinking, and again, very fortunate to be have like the research side, Warren Gregson. We had the applied side again. This is at Man United, and it was, it just seemed a little bit funny that we just like for throughout the whole recovery process that we know there's there's many origins of where fatigue is is coming from that we just use use one thing and that would be the answer to everything and so that was that made me think well let's let's try and understand what all these different interventions are actually doing physiologically and that was that was the process. And so we started to then build out again, going back to the monitoring. We were monitoring different systems, different biological components to how a human body sort of returns to homeostasis. So, well, what does cold water immersion actually do? What does massage actually do? What does a Normatec actually do? And then I think you can start to then branch off the various physiological areas and so we then we went, went we went down that route really and it was like after a game the most important period what is the what's the what's the most and i would always call it what's the the limiting fatiguing factor at any given time point and so after a game you've got you've got a, an increase in tissue temperature you've probably got an inflammation cascade on the way, you've got swelling, you've got potential edema, you've got micro trauma. And so, well, 
what is something that can can help that? So you, you go through your big list of interventions. So the one question you asked was like, how is that changing now? That list is just getting bigger and bigger, <clears throat> rightly or wrongly. And then you start to match the intervention with what you think is occurring from a stress perspective. And again, monitoring links in. So you can monitor to unpick and figure out and quantify what is the stress. For example, if you are monitoring muscle soreness, that's giving you an indication of potentially inflammation, potentially micro trauma. And so that's giving you, albeit that's not the answer, that's giving you, that's building that, that puzzle where you start to put the pieces in place to better make decisions rather than just say, you know what, either do what you want as an athlete, we'll come on to that in a minute, or you know what, I like massage or I like Normatec, just do that. And again, so that timeline of recovery and the different origins of what's going on in terms of the system and biology, that changes as well. So um, you then sort of then, and you then enter a period where it may be more linked to, because that first period is a lot of, it's more mechanical damage related to potentially sprinting, Axel, D-cell, a lot of sort of like con contractile trauma. And then the next stage, it may be more linked to metabolic disruptions. So how can we, we monitor that? And then how can we understand out of our massive list now of interventions and strategies, what can potentially help metabolic fatigue? And so can we find a way of increasing circulation and increasing the circulation of potentially disruptive byproducts and metabolites to, to almost, well, yeah, check that box of, well, the most important thing at the start was the mechanical damage. And then we're moving on to metabolic fatigue. Let's find these group of strategies and apply them at the best position within that process. And that's not a generic process because that changes to games, to training. It's so individual. We, as we know, like athletes respond differently, not just between different athletes, but as an athlete, you, there's nothing to say you're going to respond the same to the same given amount of stress or load this week to next. There's so many variables that affect that. So it's, it's, it's very much a process which monitoring can, can guide. And that's always, again, going back to the monitoring process. That first low hanging fruit was right. We know what recovery, we know, not know, we know we have the best information to give us an indication of what, recovery strategy to use at that time period and so you, oh go on, mate carry on yeah so no go carry on I was, no uh, i was just going to say you mentioned about players just doing what they want and you said you come back to that that was clearly a bone of contention yeah no so like it's so again one my role at man united i actually sort of sat in between the performance and medical staff as like this head of re recovery and regeneration role and it was fantastic because i got to see what the medical side and department thought of some of these processes and how they would attack recovery. And, and, and it, again, it was more from a therapeutic side. It was more about how can we make the athletes just feel better, which is, which is, again, that's a very important component of this process, but you have athletes who, for some reason, and I still don't know, I don't know why recovery performance recovery athletes tend to know best about what they want to do and that might be right or wrong but so if you if you have um that short period between 
competition or it's a critical time point, which again, in these leagues at the moment, particularly with COVID and increased frequency of games, reduced time between games, I think we should ask the question, are we happy to settle for what the player just wants to do or from a therapeutic point of view, or do we actually look at what the stress is at that given time and from a scientific point of view, match the intervention best place with that stress? And so this is the question. And I think there's certainly a balance between that all, between all those factors, sorry. But for me, if recovery and you understand your limiting fatiguing factor, then 100% I'm saying, well, if you're representing soreness, if you're representing a a reduction HRV, if you're showing me that there's a reduction in extensibility with a a accompanied pain uh, component, then I'm pretty sure cold water immersion in that given time point is going to be the best thing for you. So that's the question. Are we willing to sacrifice potentially that process for just an athlete just doing what they want? But I think, and, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it's one or the other. I'm saying, well, in critical time points, let's put the focus on that, on matching stress with interventions and strategies. But I think that's not just what we do. The athlete belief effect is huge. So if an athlete has a massive belief effect towards a certain strategy, then let's find a time point in that process to, in, to integrate that. And then I think if the medical team are involved there's a therapeutic aspect to it as well, let's find the best time to implement that process or that strategy. So it's all about working together. And that's something, again, through the time at Man United, it was always a, it was always a very interesting way of working. And it was, that's where I wanted to provide data not to drive the, the the whole process, but to give people give people like empowerment almost. Like, oh, the data shows this. That means it's going to be cold water immersion. It's going to be hot water immersion. It's going to be whatever it may be, a Normatec or ECP or or massage or where's the best place to put these components. But again, when you do that, you have to you have to be quite clever and smart in how others around that process receive it and that you're not saying, well, you're not doing this. This doesn't work. That's, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to say to the athlete, to the staff, these are the strategies we're going to use. And this is where we're going to place them over this timeline. And this is a dynamic approach. So that's, that's sort of my, that's how we approached it again nearly nearly 10 years ago, but I don't think much of that has changed. I think you've probably got athletes who <clears throat> you'd, you'd probably become more professional, but I think I tend to see two things. You see an athlete who just does one thing and that's it, regardless of what's going on or the symptom they're showing. It's, it has to be ice bath every day. Or then there's the other athlete, again, I would say under the professional umbrella, who just does everything. They throw the kitchen sink at it. <laughs> and again, you, sometimes... And again, one thing I didn't mention is the reason why there's a timeline for some of these different interventions, some of them are very contraindicated. So if we are trying to maybe reduce tissue temperature, reduce metabolism, reduce blood flow, then we know cold water immersion can do that. But don't then jump in a hot shower straight away, or then don't just then get in a, a hot tub 
afterwards in thinking, oh, well, I've done my ice bath. I think we need to start to really think maybe as practitioners, as athletes, for sure, the reason you're doing that is to cool the temperature of your skin. And then the cascade after that is tissue, blood flow, metabolism reduction, metabolism reduce, sorry. And again, that's maybe back to what we discussed before about educating the athletes. Because one thing that happens a lot is athletes become dependent on practitioners or strategies. And for me, it was always about giving the education, give them a decision-making tree in their mind. If I am sore, the easiest one, what they're feeling, if I am sore, I know to go this way. If I'm fatigued, I have heavy legs, I know to go this way. Rather than being dependent on a particular practitioner, process or strategy. But it's becoming harder because for some reason, recovery falls into this weird hole of everyone knows like what works for them. Like I don't, that's like, I get it. I used to get it all the time. I know it works for me. It's my body, which is, I completely agree with, but it doesn't mean we can educate them a little bit to, to go down a different path. We're not taking anything away. We're just putting it, what we think is the most logical um, sequence based on science. And again, like back in the day, like Ryan Giggs, for example, had a very bespoke recovery strategy for himself. And I ain't going to come in and say, by the way, you should start doing this. Of course not. But over the years, you're able to say, actually, well, maybe you could do this at this time. And then what you usually do it before, or like just tweak things a little bit. And I think that's where you start to get the trust and then you start to move habits a little bit and you're not changing them. You're just moving them into a more efficient and optimal way in my perspective. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pace Performance Bite Size. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. If you want to check out the full episode with Robin, he is at number 335 and you can get that on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts.